Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the 46th episode of Suck My Fanfic. And you'd think this was the start of Season 3, since we waited like an entire month to release, um, but it is not. And welcome back. Uh, my name is Alex, and my co-host is... Ryan, and we're going to make up for this massive time jump by having it just be the highest quality episode we've ever done. So, just by me saying I, that, I'm, it's already the highest quality. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, dream it, will it into existence, kill the past if you have mm -hmm. to. Uh, maybe that's the, the game that we're playing, because I don't think I want to make any promises like that. But, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, best, this is going to be the best episode we've ever this done. This is the it's highest quality episode we have ever done. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. willing it into existence. I'm forcing the listener to agree. This is the best episode yeah. we've done. Yep. It already is. You're already you stunned. Go. You've dropped whatever device you're listening to. I did already say it was, yeah. To the ground. You can't believe what you're hearing. Yeah. You're in awe by our, our audio, our clarity, yeah. the points that we're making. You can't believe it. This yeah. might be the best podcast ever made. Of all time. I, I agree with that. Um, suck on that, Joe Rogan. So thank you for joining us. Um, we we just wanted to give a, a quick uh, uh, hello. How do you do? Uh, like I said, we're Suck My Fanfic. If you've never heard of us before. Um, we rate, review and talk about fan fiction and basically everything in between a lot of pop culture stuff here which is fine and then um i'm pretentious and try to be intellectual sometimes and that's fun um you know ryan is actually smart and does actually at least sound like he's giving true facts we've had discrepancies before in the past but i don't even argue with him because <laughs> i'm like hey that sounds right and we um, are the world's we, we are the world's least insidious echo chamber it's like you don't even think it's happening <laughs> but, it, but it is it is Lies are being propagated. Truth is being is terraformed. Yeah, we have our own canon, and that's all that matters. So we do just real quick. We have a pod chaser now. We're very excited about that, which is like the social media platform. Uh, with everything that's going on in the world nowadays, they have some really cool promotion where for every rate, they'll just like donate fifteen or ten cents to Meals on Wheels. So if you like this episode, if you like our podcast, we highly encourage you and ask you if you don't mind rating us on Podchaser, uh, and then you can copy that rating and then paste it right into Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts that lets you rate them. And then look at that. You're uh, you're saving some people who need Meals on Wheels just by uh, stroking our egos. And quite frankly, I can't think of a better reason to do that. And you should go ahead and just create like a copy-paste, copy-pasta and just put it in uh, put it in Reddit. Let's just make that a thing where you guys yeah. post the same thing over and over again. But it is it, just because Alex told me about this just before we started. You know, even if, even, again, if you don't review us, if you think we're awful, that's fine. But just I know I'm going to start listening to all my podcasts on on that pod chaser and throwing as many reviews in as yeah. possible, just because I'm going to passively listen to these anyway. So I might as well take advantage of that um, of that really cool offer. So I'm definitely going to start doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and shout out to the movie seller for telling us that we weren't on there yet. I never I ne didn't realize we weren't. Uh, and also Matt from Drinkopedia, he's going crazy with reviews. So that guy's basically putting the brunt of the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he's he's interviewing podcasts one by one, <laughs> saving the planet. So uh, you know, be like Matt, be a superhero if you want. And um, no, but yeah, thank you for joining us. Like I said, we have a pod chaser. We'd appreciate reviews. Tell your friends if you have friends that like fan fiction. Uh, Ryan and I, one of the ways we first bonded was just by joking about fan fiction. Here we are. So, so be, be you, careful. You have jokes with your friends. Be careful if you're joking about fan fiction <laughs> because in, in five years you'll find yourself hunched over a desk with a single bare light bulb hanging above you in yeah. the depths of New Jersey like a crazed like lunatic whispering about fan fiction. Yeah, you likely uh, will start a fan fiction podcast if you get into it. So there you go. Maybe you like podcasting and you could start one to rival us, but you'll never beat us because we're the best. By then we'll have 47 episodes if you get it off the ground in the next yeah. six months. <laughs> <laughs> exactly 
If you really like us, we also have a Patreon, which is Suck My Fanfic. If you want to keep up with us and see our dumb tweets, mainly my dumb tweets, because Ryan doesn't have any time for social media because he's like more of an adult than me or something like that. We also have a, a Twitter, Suck My Fanfic. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for stumbling upon us. And um, you know, like I said, a smash like and subscribe. Before we get started, uh, we just wanted to very quickly uh, address the current state of affairs in the world and start off by saying something that we agreed upon before we started, which was we're not virologists or public health officials uh, or even politicians. So we're even frankly, smart. We're not opinion, even smart. Or <laughs> yeah, don't let the fact that I'm in graduate school fool any of you. I'm not. So, uh, you know, our opinion on things doesn't really matter. The best that the only thing that we can really say, because we know that for some reason, everybody wants to take this time to like promote their podcast or tell people what to do or talk about what's going on. I don't really want to do that. I, uh, Ryan, I know he said he doesn't want to either. So the, the biggest thing I can say is, you know, if you have a little bit of extra food in your pantry and you know you'll be taken care of for the next few months, uh, please consider donating that wherever you see fit. I know that a lot of school systems are having like food banks open for children that can't afford it and for families of those children to make sure that they can eat more than just the meals that the schools provide for them because obviously they're limited. And, you know, pets might be getting hit by this too. I know there are all these feel-good reports that, you know, the pet adoption's at an all-time high, but, you know, coming three or four months from now when people can't afford the pets, things might get bad. So check in on the people that mean something to you. I, I've been taking a lot of time to do that, which is nice. And, you know, if, if you can do anything to help people out, I know we're looking for global solutions, but I prefer local face-to-face -face community ones. I don't know about you, Ryan, but that's kind of my, my, my word on the matter. Yeah, I mean, we're not – you didn't come here to listen to that, so we're, we're going to just do our best to – to, to uh, distract you for a little bit for the next, uh, oh, I don't know, six and a half hours, however long this podcast goes. Um, and That's an average time for one of these things. Yep. Um, so, you know, the biggest thing, yeah, is just, you know, reach out to the people you care about, you know, be in contact with them, tell them that you care about them. Um, that's that's what, yeah. I've been, that's what I've been trying to do. Go over to Grandma's house and cough in her face. Yeah. Oh, when I say tell people you care about them, I mean kiss them with tongue. Un unwashed <laughs> tongue. Um, yes. That's a good idea. So... We're going to close that book shut because we can drone on mainly me and I don't want to do that. So our opening topic, again, if, if this is the first time you've ever listened to us, again, hello, how's it going? Thanks for listening. However, we normally start off with a, a, a dumb little bit in the beginning. Then we have an opening topic, which is about the spot that we're at now. And then we have our fic. So our opening topic is I found an article from Gizmodo, io9.gizmodo.com, which you know means that it's not only legit, but reputable. <laughs> Um, they, the they avatar... have, this, is, this isn't the first time that they've supplied content for this show. Yeah, the avatar for the author is a gif of something that I can't even tell what it is. So if that gives you any idea, it's a cartoon. So that's how reputable this site is. I'm very, very pleased to get going on this. But the name of the article is um, Our Fascination with Canon is Killing the Way We Value Stories. And then what bothers me, honestly, I think the most about this is it's, it's labeled under movies. Hmm. Canon isn't just a movie thing. Like, what's wrong with you? But whatever, whatever. Uh, so I'm going to read this a little bit, uh, and then I guess Ryan and I will just kind of go through and talk about this. Uh, As the pop culture we love becomes increasingly dominated by vast franchises of interconnected worlds and stories, so does it become dominated by one singular question from diehard fans. Is this the thing we're about to consume, or is the thing we're about to consume canon to everything else we've consumed before? It's an attitude that's turning our love of stories into some bizarre archival competition. Canon is not inherently a bad thing, of course. It can provide structure to chaos, and it can provide a sense of not just continuity, but stakes as that continuity progresses. The idea lets characters bear the impact of events on their journeys across not just one narrative, but many, allowing them to grow and change to the point that they might not even entirely be different kinds of people compared to when we first met them. All right, so what are our thoughts so far, Ryan? 
Uh, I see where they're going while they put this in cinema. I'm already seeing that the author's starting to form some ideas about about how this is kind of like, am I is this even like worthwhile to watch? Because are they going to undo it in two movies? Like the death exactly. of the like R-rated adult drama that's just a story and then it's done. You know, like talking movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what they're getting after. Yeah, and I mean, we talk a lot about canon on the show, so it's sort of like, well, we have head canon, we have people that create their own canon. I'm interested in the idea. We have the canonical biblical texts, which we talked about a lot in the beginning, and then people said we were a Christian podcast, which made no sense, so I haven't talked about them since. But hey, I'll keep going, I'll keep going, You'll, we'll see where this is going. There's still plenty of room for variety and interpretation, and even a and even a relatively strictly defined canon. Just look at Star Wars, and the kinds of stories it can st- still tell, despite the mandate from, uh, from upon high that anything told must fit into what's been established since Disney took over the franchise. Those stories benefit from the added weight of being definitive interpretations and events that flesh out an entire galaxy's worth of stories. But where canon, or other, or rather, our hunger for it goes terribly wrong is when whether something matters or not becomes the base standard for how we consider a piece of media. It's an attitude that has become predominant not just within fandom circles itself, but in the media commentary that is developed around these fandoms and the blockbuster franchises that dominate our popular culture. Critics and fans alike are now less interested in actually interpreting a piece of media thematically or to engage with why they liked or disliked it, but instead to pick it apart and break down it, break it down to the base components of what are essentially as pure, unflinching facts. Google Star Wars or the Marvel movies, and you will likely see as many articles and videos with headlines like X confirms Y is canon, X confirms answered by new media, or X things we learned about character Z in the new book movie TV show, as you will see critical essays about these stories, if not more. And before someone accuses me of throwing stones in glass houses, yes, io9 totally does this too. Like I said, discussing canon can be fun. It can add <laughs> a lot to a series. Glad you're at least a little self-aware there. Um, so, thoughts so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, I get, I get what they're saying. Um, how, like, an obsession with canon, um, it kind of leads to gatekeeping among the fans, where it's like, yes. if we're so obsessed with canon, then I've determined what canon cannot be a Star Wars film. Like, oh, that... There needs to be a jump to hyperspace, or there needs to be this, or uh, that doesn't make sense because this, that, and, and it's like you're missing the themes and what the, the the creator of the film or the story was going for, as opposed, you know, what I'm saying, um, yeah. And as much as we make fun of like Last Jedi, for example, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that's just like that is not Star Wars. Like, what the heck? And even I, yeah. you know, am guilty of it, being like, I this is not Star Wars when I'm watching right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I, 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 this is guy, this person, this individual is making some really good points as opposed to like, you know, forget about like it's really ruining the experience. Whereas if this was just a solitary, you know, one off, there's obviously other problems with that, that movie yeah. that, you know, would, would come up. But a lot of people totally missed on some of the themes of that because they were so obsessed with what was and wasn't conforming to their preconceived notions. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you said that this is not Star Wars. Um, cause I think, I think people that listen to us regularly sort of know my opinion on canon. I think they know yours. Um, but just to, you know, add to the conversation, think about the people that watched the original three. The first one was called just Star Wars, uh, you know, A New Hope. It was not called Episode Four, like we know it. And uh, think about when the prequels came out and, you know, you see Jar Jar Binks and a little kid <laughs> and you sit there and you think, that's not, this isn't Star Wars. What are we watching? So I don't know. Like, it's really easy to attack. Have you noticed movies. that like almost every Star Wars movie that comes out, people are like, this isn't Star Wars. I just think people don't know what yeah. Star Wars is <laughs> or like, it's just Star Wars is not yeah. a monolith. Well, uh, yeah, it's just hard when it comes out of your hands, especially, you know, it's about a galaxy. So it's about a lot of people and a lot of things. But I think that's why the Mandalorian's so strong, because it doesn't have to adhere to a canon other than the Mandalorian canon, which is already like super specific and well known. Yeah. And I've had some moments um, in that show where I'm like, "Ooh, this isn't Star. And I'm like, but it isn't. It actually isn't Star Wars. It's just in the yeah, setting. Like this, this is allowed to be something else. And I think that's something that Disney shot themselves in the foot with choosing the first five movies they chose to make. 
because Han Solo had to be so strictly adhering to some sort of story because of all the other Han Solo interpretations we've gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like draped in mythos, yeah. Yeah, and I know people, some people really like that movie. I've said before, my biggest problem with it is, remember the blaster? He's the blaster. Oh, I remember. And like, I just, I, I hate movies that are meant to explain other movies that came like before them. Yeah, well, those are movies that are so, they, they're so entrenched in canon. They know that's what we're craving. So they, yeah, that's what like the nostalgia story beats are. Just like canon, canon, canon. It's canon yeah. fodder, you know, to pardon the pun. Yeah. Um, and it's almost, yeah, what it's, else? it's almost like, this isn't an Easter egg hunt. I'm just handing you the Easter eggs. <laughs> no, like that, that's how I feel about it. Like, you know, when I watch. Dude, people, people do that. People do that. I learned that. I was talking to my friend the other day and they're like, oh yeah, our Easter egg hunts were just like a field full of Easter eggs. And uh, we would just go grab them. I'm like, you didn't have to look? I'm like, no, it's just like whoever's fastest. <laughs> so that's a race. That's an Easter egg race. You know what I mean? Like, I when I watch... I'm calling uh, an egg like, roll. For example, egg, egg roll, there you go, yeah. Uh, I just read Justice League New Frontier. Do you all know what it is? It's a dude who, in the mid-2000s, decided to revamp the Silver Age of heroes, so like the 1950s, and do it in like a 1950s style. It's really good. Written by a guy named Darwin Cook. It's a great story. And one of the reasons that makes it so good is because he like ties in canon with his own interpretation, because it's not in the main continuity. And he also adds in Easter eggs thoughtfully, and in a way that only a true fan, not a true fan, but someone with a lot of knowledge about the source material would appreciate. And, like, that's an Easter egg hunt. That's why they're called Easter eggs. You know what I mean? Like, when you watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, there are actually a lot of Easter eggs in the movie. James Gunn is notorious for putting in Easter eggs into things. There's nothing Easter egg-y about Solo to me. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, like, full-on, I'm going to spoon-feed you this knowledge. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's kind of what this this author is getting after. I'll see what else what else they got to have to say. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep going. I'll stop interrupting him. Sorry, I, I won't say his name. I don't want to attack him. I already made fun of his avatar. But, um, but this craving for it, above all else, is a toxic attitude, not just to the way we talk about pieces of media from a critical perspective, but in fan circles as well. The hunger for facts, above all else, leads to things like, quote, filler episode, becoming a derogatory term for stories that don't advance the larger ongoing plot of a narrative or don't include some shocking new revelation that someone can add to a list. It predicates the gatekeeping act of being a fan that is built on how much you know about a thing over whether you actually enjoy that thing or not. It's an attitude that in turn feeds the equally unruly and constantly growing spoiler culture because a fandom that values pure details above all else puts weight in the knowledge of those details. This isn't written very well, but it's whatever. The need robs discussions about the stories we get of nuance and interpretation because who cares what you think happened when there's an answer from the word of God to that question you might have had. And more sinisterly, beyond the way it shapes our discourse, it's a craving that further enmeshes our love of a world, not to the world uh, itself, but to the masters behind that world. To twist a lit crit turn of phrase, there cannot be the death of the author, it's the author's got their own fandom wiki. Um, <laughs> so my first comment on that is, interestingly enough, uh, I might be a contrarian on this one, filler episodes are like normally my favorite. Well, that, I think that's what they're saying is like people complain about filler episodes because yeah. they don't advance the plot, whereas a filler episode is really a great... It could be like a slice of life. It could be yeah. like a certain theme, like a meditation on something. Um, yeah. Where it's like that is like kind of a lost art because everyone's so focused on driving the plot, driving the plot. Yeah. Where is this going? Exactly. And I think I think the thing with filler episodes is like it depends on the pacing of the media. So, for example, when I'm watching The Flash and there's 22 episodes and it's a conflict that probably could have been resolved in like 10 and they're really, really milking it to 22 and they throw a filler in there, I do get annoyed because it's like yeah. – Look, we get it. Like, just have him run faster and beat the bad guy. I I know he thinks he's not fast enough, but he'll be fast enough. <laughs> Let's just get there. But like, I I need the speed. Yeah, I have to go faster. Which is like the only <laughs> quote Grant Gustin can actually say in that show. I like the Flash, but um, I'm, you know. Uh, but for example, my favorite filler episode is uh, I think it's called. 
is it turn? No, clear from The Walking Dead. I think it's season three. Have you have you seen Walking Dead? Have we talked about this? Uh, I have. I have seen some of it. Do you remember the episode where they go back to Rick's original town and Morgan is just there and he's crazy? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when he's got all the booby traps. Yeah, it's called Clear. That episode okay. does not drive the plot forward by any means. Yeah, well, I think The Walking Dead's pretty notorious for that because they take so long to advance these plots. They have these kind of little episodes. I think Clear is a perfectly placed filler episode, and I think it adds to the lore. I think it builds upon the story. And then, lo and behold, four or five seasons later, Clear actually mattered. It mattered to Morgan's story in the long run. You just had to wait for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I love that episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think like this, this author saying a canon-driven society kind of does not value those and then the, it's again all about money so they get made less yeah. and we kind of lose that mm-hmm. yeah, there's only one more short paragraph and i guess we can just kind of finish this off it's fine if you want something to matter to a world and characters you care about but it shouldn't be the all uh the god this do you even have an editor to like read over this is the second <laughs> time i've complained about this website on our show uh, by the way alex is alex is, is actually taking a break from grading papers so he's being very yeah. critical of writing structure is it in mla <laughs> format you don't you don't care no, it's APA, it's APA, thank you. It's fine <laughs> if you want something to matter to a world and characters you care about, but it shouldn't be the end-all, be-all to your investment in them either. Fandom is such a wide, shareable passion, full of different opinions and interpretations about a thing, united by a shared vested interest and love for storytelling. Valuing the sterile facts of those stories more than the things about them that makes us think or feel is a sad thing indeed. Um, you know, I actually have some feelings on this last paragraph. Um, I just actually, I, while you were talking, I was kind of thinking yeah. of my favorite filler episodes. All right. Fi- some filler episodes are masterful. Avatar The Last Airbender, not talked about on mm. this show before. Tales of Ba Sing Se. Um, it's coming That's on Netflix, so I would write. That is, it's it's just like, you know, a bunch of vignettes. Like I, it, That is a masterful episode. It, it gives you more background on the characters. doesn't do literally anything with the plot. Um, I think that there the one are with Uncle Yep, yep. Um, oh, that's a great episode. It's a, it's fan it's fantastic. It's one of the greatest. It's a, often cited as one of the best episodes, um, and I think that's a series that really takes its time with storytelling and and it, it kind of has canon take a backseat. And I think that's the best approach to storytelling yeah. because it creates this mystique about it, like where people mm-hmm. want to learn more, but it's just kind of shrouded behind the yeah. the characters and that they kind of lead the plot along. And then the kind of stuff kind of falls apart when you're like, oh, let me let me explain how this work. And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, I kind of lose that that mystique. Um, I think that's one so, of the last great shows to really to really have utilize that filler episode. Avatar is nearly a perfect ten out of ten, if not a perfect ten out of ten. And that's not just me being nostalgic. I rewatched it recently. It's perfect. It's such a good show. James Cameron did a great job, and so did M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> but here's here's a question just to poke the bear. You're a Star Wars fan. You care about Star Wars way more than I do. Though I've come to find out that I singularly care about Obi-Wan probably more than you do. So um, we'll have our disagreements on (laughs) on things to do with him. But besides that, I don't care. And and I will take the stance that Episode 3 is my favorite. Shoot me. I don't care. I love that. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. Anyways, you like Star Wars. You have read some of the Extended Universe books. Mm -hmm. At least the comics, right? Mm -hmm. What did you think about Disney taking over and then wiping their butts with them? Um, Because those were canon. Yeah, I mean... At, at once, it's kind of it was kind of nice to to have everything kind of cleared up, kind of like we talk about like the new Fifty Two and yeah. and some of these events Blank and slate. comics where it it just becomes a barrier to entry where it's like yeah. oh my gosh, there's so much like I it it, it kind of causes paralysis as to where to jump in, and I think mm-hmm. it alienates a lot of people who would normally get into it. Um, that's why you kind of like see this renaissance of people really consuming Star Wars, it's like oh like they feel content knowing everything they're watching for lack of a better term, is legit. Like, you talk about canon, they kind of feel yeah. affirmed that what they're watching is is worthwhile. Um, mm-hmm. 
but those I mean those stories still exist like the Thrawn trilogy and and all those things and they have some influence on you know the the films that we 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 just saw but they I mean those are there they're still good nothing changed about them they're still enjoyable yeah. they still have cool plot points and and awesome characters it's just there's Disney didn't give it the stamp of approval or some corporation is telling you that they're not part of the corporation's version of the story that's mm-hmm. it right you know I think the only thing that it did was allowed more people to kind of get back into it that that was my that's my and i'd like to hear your take on like the new 52 because it's essentially the same thing but there was no like changing of ownership it was a it was a mindful decision so luckily for the new 52 i'm just going to be a little little bad boy here and not answering the question the way you want me to luckily because the new 52 had to do with comic books uh they could have their cake and eat it too and just be like no it's a different universe this is actually just a different universe so sorry um which is on one hand sort of annoying but on the other hand, it, it's it's comfortable because you're like, oh, well, now we can explore these new ideas. Uh, for those of you not familiar with it, it's sort of like the ultimate universe in Marvel. And if you're not familiar with that, it's basically, oh, we're bogged down by 80 years of story. Let's just make a new universe and start over, which is basically what the New 52 is. It has some highs and some lows. And at the beginning, people hated it. And now that people are looking back on it, some of the best modern DC stories have come out of the New 52. So I'm not very critical of it. I will say it is one of those things where it's like, do we trade a new audience for the base that we've always had? And it feels like the companies get complacent that the fans that they've always had will like them no matter what. So they can take more risks and almost put them in the backseat to try to attract the attention of a new fan. Right. And I take a little bit of Professor Umbridge with that. Sure. Maybe this toxic Star Wars kind of fan base is is Disney's own doing. It's people who are upset the fact that they've they've kind of been taken advantage of that their their yeah. loyalty has been taken for granted yeah it's almost like disney's thinking like well we'll always have your wallet so we'll just get this other person's wallet and that's that's one of the things i want to talk about where he said fandom is such a wide shareable passion full of different opinions and interpretations about a thing united by a shared vested interest and love for storytelling i agree and i don't and the big reason why i don't agree about agree with it is because i feel like not every story has to appeal to everybody and i don't think it should i don't think as an author or as a creator that, you know, if you don't feel obligated to be as much, you know, as appealing to a wide variety of people as you can, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel like as a consumer, if something that I want to like, but don't for whatever reason, I shouldn't try to put my foot in the door and complain that it's not up to my standards. Mm -hmm. Like I've never been a big Star Trek fan. I've honestly never given it a fair shake, but you know, I'm not sitting here saying, well, Star Trek had sandworms. I'm in, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not sitting here saying, uh, well, actually, that, that was there was a Star Trek Green Lantern crossover, which apparently is canon somehow uh, in, in one of the universes. So I guess I can't say that. But but you get what I'm saying. Like, I hate this concept where there's one side of the fandom argument where it's, you know, if someone gets mad about something, like, let's say with these new Marvel characters. Marvel at, like, the beginning of the 2010s was like, oh, we're going to revamp all our characters. We're going to make them younger. We're going to make them more diverse. Okay. Well, you turn Iron Man into a young black girl. You turn the Hulk into a young Asian guy. You make all these large changes. The original fans get angry. What's the argument by the new fans? Well, this wasn't made for you. What? You know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like, yeah, it wasn't made for me. But the thing before, I liked already. So, you know, if you're taking that logic of this wasn't made for you, well, maybe not everything's made for everybody. And, you know, if someone wants to sit there and complain about something, maybe it's not mm-hmm. made for you. You know what I mean? Like, I've, like yeah. we've had this conversation before, especially with, like, the new Disney movies. I totally understand that the new Lion King isn't made for me. As much as they want to put Donald Glover in it and they think I'll watch, I actually haven't seen it as, as much as I love Donald Glover. So it's like, well, that's not made for me. You know, as much as I love Will Smith, 
the, Aladdin, the new Aladdin movie wasn't made for me. And I'm like perfectly content with understanding that there are mountains upon mountains, you know, 90% of the things out there aren't made for my interests and I don't really care. And like, I kind of hate this idea that like, I don't think it's profit driven. I don't really know what it is, but it's, it's almost like, well, this thing has to be made for everybody. It's like, no, it doesn't. Like, I'm perfectly okay with you having your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I don't like romance novels. I'm not sitting here pitching a fit saying that these romance novels have to have space worms. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm so I'm so fickle on the matter because it's like on one end it's like do whatever you want because it's your story, mm-hmm. but then these stories get bought by you know multinational billion dollar conglomerates and then it becomes everybody's story and I just it's like well I don't even want it to be made for me then. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think I, I think it's interesting you say that because I, I do think it is a good business decision specifically when we're talking about dc comics and 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 star wars because it widens your audience it widens your base like immediately so it's just it is just a good business decision off the bat but then we end up with the sequel trilogy where we do something that is supposed to like simultaneously widen the audience and also make the original fans happy and it kind of does both and then we do one which is like no we don't really care about the original fans we're just going to try to get new fans and then it doesn't go well and then it's like oh well we're going to try to keep the fans that we got that were new but we're also going to try to appeal to the old ones and we're honestly not going to make any of them happy and we'll make the ninth one which by the way i didn't hate the ninth movie yeah i mean well you end up with like three of the oh, some of the highest grossing films of all time you know exactly. and, and you know it doesn't matter what the rotten tomato scores are and we're sitting here debating it on on the most lucrative granted the most lucrative podcast ever but you know we're sitting here debating it and they're billionaires exactly but i mean I think I think it's like another just like another form of you know their decision that they made in yeah. order to bring more people in, making money, just like dividing us. Whereas before, it's like, yeah, I used to not know as much about Star Wars as the other person, but now we all know the same amount because we've all seen the you know whatever fifteen pieces of film and and television yeah. that are out there for us. And it, it's interesting because now we have like this culture where you can just you know click and you've got this information on this subject that you wouldn't have had before. And you get almost like a surface level understanding of it. And, you know, I, um, with the Dune photos that came out recently from the new movie, I saw a lot of hot takes on Twitter about, even though the photos look cool, remember that so-and-so blank about, like, why Frank Herbert was a bad person and why the story is whatever. And it's like, well, if you've read the book and if you've actually done 20 minutes instead of five minutes of learning about his life, you'll understand that the things that you're saying are a little more nuanced and maybe you shouldn't have such a black and white stance. Like one of the big issues with the book is that it's claimed to um, have stolen from Middle Eastern culture. Okay, let's start. Let's, uh, you know, I know I'm arguing with myself here because no one's fighting me on this, but. (laughs) Yeah, we've gotten pretty far off base from old IO9 Gizmodo. We should write a new new article for them. No, we could. I mean, we probably, at least I would write a coherent sentence for this website. Oh, I've got, I've got an example. You talk about like borrowing from another culture, another story. I think our, our, our fic, today has an example of that and I, i'm excited to get to it so i guess I, to transition i'm gonna give a big whoa, 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 in the spirit of our fan fiction podcast where people take things and transform them mm-hmm. i think it is only right that we can talk about something that neither of us have formerly consumed because we've done it before and maybe be able to have an interpretation or an opinion on it i don't think we're really gonna have opinions we're gonna have opinions on the piece that we're reviewing mm-hmm. I, i've never seen a lead battle angel i've never read it i, I you know i I can't be someone to talk about the story itself, you know what I mean? But I can talk well, about Well, good story. luck, buddy, because it's your podcast episode. You're the expert. So start us off. Her name's Alita. Go. She's a battle angel. God presented her with wings. No, I really... <laughs> um, so I guess to give a little preface before we get going, the Movie Seller, which is I've already mentioned them before. It's another podcast. They review movies. They're great. Go check them out. Really, really nice guys. They, they did this 2019 Best Movie of the Year Twitter poll, and I was expecting Parasite or one of those, you know, uh, what is it? What's, what's the film festival in Colorado that everyone cares about for no reason? You mean Utah? 
Is it Utah? Yeah, which one are you talking about? Which one are you talking about? Sundance. Sundance. Is that Utah? I thought it was Colorado. No, it's Utah. Oh, whatever. It's all Tell, Telluride. Telluride is Colorado, I believe. No, I don't. I really wouldn't know. But, okay, so Sundance. You know, I figured it was going to be like a Sundance winner or something. Or at least like Endgame, which, I mean, shut up if you were in <laughs> Whatever. But that wasn't even I thought, I, you, uh, real quick, real quick, totally aside. What was your favorite movie of 2019? That I saw in 2019? Like, from 2019? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably Shazam. Shazam? Okay, you're going to hate me for this. <laughs> my favorite movie of 2019, and I'm not lying, was Little Women. That was my favorite movie. Oh, I hate you. That, I mean, that, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, it was dope. But yeah, I get what you're saying. They, they did their they did their tournament, and we expected it to probably be, like, Portrait of a Lady on Fire or Irishman or yeah. something. Like that. Or at least Joker. Maybe Joker, but... Oh, you know what? I did see Joker in 2018. That is a great movie. Um, mm. no, I think Shazam. Shazam's fun. I got depressed after Joker, which means it's a good movie because it made me get depressed. But no, uh, Shazam's just like too much fun for me to pass it up. But yeah, anyways, we thought it was going to be something pretentious or something like too mainstream. And then out of nowhere, these these fans on Twitter who call themselves an army uh, just decide to flood a poll. And I think they ended up with like 8,000 plus votes on their final championship poll where Alita Battle Angel beat out John Wick 3. And me be me. A, I'm an idiot. B, you know, I see Dollar something signs. working. Yeah, I, I want to ride the coattails, <laughs> you know. I, the moment I saw all those votes, I turned into the Monopoly man for a second with my, you know, my, my corneas being dollar signs. and like, yeah, we're going to exploit this. Uh, and here we are. We don't know what we're talking about, and uh, we're just here for lessons. So you explain Elite Battle Angel because you're the one that found the fic and did the research. So what? Do, explain it to me like I'm stupid because I am, and I really have no idea what it's about. Okay, so this um, this takes place. Uh, first of all, I want to just say it takes place on Earth, right? And it takes place okay. in like the the 26th century or something like that. And um, <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna look it up because I I already feel like we're gonna get attacked. Keep talking. I'll fact check you as we go. Okay, it, it takes place in, like, the 26th century, and it, it actually takes place in, like, modern-day, like, 26th Missouri, century, got it. Missouri, Kansas, uh, like, Colorado area. Okay. And and the Earth has essentially been turned into this trash planet. It's almost like WALL-E. Again, this came out in the early 90s? So yes, the, the early 90s. Complex. Yep, this came out in the early 90s, so this is not, like, a ripoff of WALL-E. Okay. But, like, the Earth is now, like, called, like, Scrap Yard, I believe. Um it becomes a scrapyard uh, with just, like, various cities and, like, poor people, scavengers, those kind of folks living there. And the rich elites um, and the like have migrated to this city in the sky that kind of, like, orbits around the Earth called Zalem. So, you know, pretty standard stuff. Um, so on the scrapyard city, um, a professor, his name is uh, Dr. Ido. And, again, I read all of these. I did not watch anything. So if I mispronounced anything, I apologize. What's the spelling um, for it? I-D-O. How'd you pronounce it? Ido. That sounds right. We're going to go with that. Dr. Ido, Dr. Ido. Or it's Drido, and I, he's not even a doctor. I'm just reading it completely wrong. Um, <laughs> Drido. Doc, it's Drido. So Dr. Ido, he finds a, uh, like, yes, Drido founds, finds a disembodied, uh, like, cyborg while he's just scavenging in, a, in scrap scrapyard land. And, okay, so um, here's, a, here's a question to cut you off. Yes. Are, is this fic taking place in the manga universe or the movie universe? Movie, movie, movie. Okay, so who plays this doctor? Said uh, I think it's Christoph Waltz. Oh, uh, well, I just watched Inglorious Bastards for the first time the other night. He's a fantastic actor. He's delightful. Already this is sounding good. And he got a massive paycheck for this, so congratulations to Mr. Waltz. You're a, you're a fan of the show. If anyone from Elite, Elite Army is listening, Christoph Waltz is a fan of the show, so you, sh you should listen as well. 
Um, I, you know, in good conscience, I can't agree with that, but keep going. <laughs> so, so basically, he, uh, you know, the the cyborg is Alita, and in the manga, he names her Alita after his deceased cat, which he also found in the scavenger yard. Um, but then in the movie, he names it after like her daughter, his daughter. Uh, who's also okay. dead. That would be really messed up if she wasn't dead. It's like, hey, Alita, here's a better version of you. Alita. <laughs> I've replaced you. <laughs> but it's pretty, it's like Astro Boy. Like he, you know, she, he mm-hmm. nurses her back. He builds her back up. She thinks she's just a normal girl, um, a normal cyborg, you know, in the 26th century. There's like, you know, they're really on a rough, Scrapyard is a very rough and tumble place. You know, that's where all the vagrants live. When people get kicked out of Salem, that's where they go. Um, so a lot of bounty hunters are running around. It's very bounty hunter driven economy so they're they're you know a gang comes up and attacks them and she like snaps in and instinctively starts using this like kung like cyborg kung fu i think it's nice. called i wrote it down it's called panzer kunst k-u-n-s-t panzer panzer kunst panzer kunst whatever I would believe, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb and look it up i would believe that's german and kunst i think means art so i would say that probably means panther art but let's see oh does it really mean does it really mean art armor art yeah kunst is art yeah I took German, if you didn't, if you couldn't tell. So, ah, um, so it's armor art. So she has this within her, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, what's my past?" Uh, and this is where I, I kind of teased it earlier. I feel like this somebody, like somebody read the uh, the Born trilogy, which was written in like the early '80s, and was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, that's that's sick. I like that." You know, this is like your classic, like, <laughs> oh, where are these? Like, I snap into this like pre-programming. Yeah. In her case, as a cyborg, it's literal. I snap into my pre-programming and like I start doing all these like moves and stuff, you know, and and, and attacking mm-hmm. and, and and just basically throughout, um, you know, she she's just kind of living her life. There's like a you know a, a bully um, who wants to fight her. His name is Zap Zapan Zapan. Okay. She she befriends a guy named Hugo who's like he wants to move to Sky City and he's like hustling and he wants to you know be a scrapper or whatever and, and move up to Sky City. There's a, there's a sport car called Motorball. I think I saw that in the previews. Um, nice. It looks like Speed Racer, uh, okay. but it's a, it's a racing sport. It's played by uh, like uh, robot gladiators. And it's like if you mm-hmm. win, then you can move up to Salem, and and you know they all watch it for fun. So so all all of this is predicated around an event that happened far in the past, which was the uh, the the end of the Earth essentially when this like group of you know individuals from Mars came back to Earth and attacked. And then throughout the story, you come to realize that Alita was originally a cyborg who fought for these like Martian people mm-hmm. who came back to like attack the Earth. So um, when you say Martian people, are they humans that lived on Mars for like hundreds of years and became their own thing and then attacked? Or are they like literally aliens? I believe so. I have literally no idea. <laughs> but I asked I him either or and you said I believe so. So I, 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 I believe they are human beings who okay, colonized okay. Mars and have come back again. Okay, okay. I guess. Uh, Hugo gets like mortally wounded. They cut his head off and like put it on a cyborg body. That's so it's like, cool. oh, like I'm a cyborg now too. And I think in the, I think in the manga, he's like revealed to be like a assassin, like trying to make any money he can to, 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 to move up in the world. But I don't know if that's okay. in the movie. I can't really tell. Um, long story short, um, you know, like her bully turns on her and, and, you know, the higher ups in Salem start take notice that there's like this former militant Martian cyborg, so they send some folks after her. She's like, screw it, Hugo. Let's like, run away to Salem, right? And he's like, he's like, okay, cool. And then Alita has a change of heart because she becomes stronger. She gets like this like nanotech suit that makes her super strong. She's like, oh, we can take it. We can live here with Dr. Ido, Drito, and live forever. Um, mm-hmm. But Hugo's, I'm still going to do it. He starts climbing up these like trash tubes. She's like, don't do it. He's like, cool. 
I won't. But then like this like defense mechanism that prevents people from climbing up the trash tubes activates and just like shreds him to bits and he dies right in front of her. Yeah, it's crazy. And then the end of the movie is Alita. Like later, she's become like the like LeBron James of Motorball. And she's like, I'm coming for you, Salem. Like, I'm going to destroy you in your aristocratic ways. And I'm going to bring a quality about people are like chanting her name. And she like points her like sword up at the sky. And the whole time Salem is controlled by like the aristocrats of aristocrat, this like despot. And his name is Desti Nova. And uh, in the movie, uncredited, he is played by Edward Norton. So you're 100% caught up now. Uh, In the comics, Ed Norton is like the, uh, he's like the Dr. Eggman, or he's like, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like the evil scientist who's always thwarting her, like getting her caught up and stuff. So he's like the big bad. But he's actually not in the movie at all. Um, He kind of shows up at the end there. Um, I think they hoped to make uh, a bunch of sequels. Didn't make a ton of money, but we'll see. Alita Army is very strong. Okay, well, it says here it had a budget of $170 million, and it box office for a 4049. That's not bad. That's I mean, that's profitable. And as the uh, illustrious Mark Hamill says, you don't have to make a good movie nowadays. You just have to make a profitable one. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like Alita might have done both, which means that it probably will get a sequel, I'm sure. And James Cameron can do whatever he wants because he is James Cameron. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a second. Who is Gruishka? 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 Oh, Gruishka? God, let me get back into the, back the, manga, the manga side. side. I remember who he is. While you're looking, I, I, I'm looking at the cast list. We have Jennifer Connelly as Dr. Sheeran. Is that Sheeran? Sheeran? She's a babe. And Mahashira Ali. Yeah, that's uh, Dr. That yeah, is uh, the new Blade. So pretty good cast. Uh, great cast, actually. Okay. Okay. So 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 Grishka is like one of the the people who initially attacks her. That causes her to uh, like click into you mm-hmm. know Jason Bourne mode. Into Panzerkunst yes. mode. Well, it says here he's played by Jackie Earl Haley, who played Rorschach in the Watchmen movie, uh, who delivered one of my favorite lines ever, which is, you're locked in here with me. So um, if that means anything to anybody. Interesting. So here's my big question, and maybe the Alita army will attack me for asking. It seems like he almost left it on a cliffhanger. Like, James Cameron almost left it with like an unfinished plot. Well, J- James Cameron didn't direct it he produced it this was produced by the same guy this was directed by the same guy who did spy kids so i mean you know it's it's a home run he also made the machete movies but whatever richard uh, rodriguez yeah robert oh, that is, yeah that's spikey's guy but uh they thought they could make a self-contained enough movie without having this big bad who is like her nemesis it's like um gosh it, it'd kind of be like if you watched a superman movie and then mm-hmm. the last minute you got like a, a scene of someone walking into a boardroom and like a bald head yeah. like spinning around in a chair and being like, "Tell me more about okay. this alien." And they'd be like, "Right away, Mister Luthor." And then it cuts to black. That's that's it. They really didn't introduce like the main nemesis. So it's almost like we're setting up the Alita universe, the franchise, the the Alita the Alita verse. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the manga ran the manga ran for like five years. Um, you know, classic started in Shonen Jump, um, and then took off. It was it was based on a minor mm-hmm. background character from another one who was just kind of like a cyborg police officer. Um, they they just like spun it out and um became like a a, a huge huge really popular nice. character. Okay, well here okay, so I have I guess I have some bad news. I'm looking on the uh, internet's most trusted site, Wikipedia. And it has a, a future section where it said that Michelle Rodriguez and Jai Courtney were meant to set up larger roles in a sequel. Apparently they're in it. And Ed Norton was supposed to be the, the bad guy mm-hmm. for the sequel. In an interview with BBC Radio yep. 1, Cameron explained the reason for rearranging the film title from the initial source material, allowing the possibilities of sequel titles, It's Alita, colon, Battle Angel, 
because the next one will be Alita Fallen Angel, and then Alita, you know, Avenging Angel, and then Alita whatever. I mean, that's assuming we make some money. So, <laughs> oh, man. There you go. Oh, I mean, at least God. James Cameron's being real. <laughs> there's a guy who loves... There's a guy who cares... There's a guy who cares about the source material and is taking yeah. care of it. Fallen Angel, Avenging Angel. Avenging uh, Angel, you know, who cares? Like, you know, yeah. you know, retired Angel, returned <laughs> Angel, questioning Angel, uh, old Angel. And as long as we make angel. money, who cares? What, whatever. Like, I don't care. Um, but then... This, God, this uh, might be disappointing. Maybe people haven't heard this, and I hate to break the news to you. In April 2020, Christoph Waltz stated that he had not heard any discussions about a potential sequel to the film and thought the possibility was unlikely following Disney's acquisition of 21st or 20th Century Fox as it might not fit in with the Disney brand. What is the Disney brand nowadays anyways? You're a monopoly. You can make whatever you feel like. Oof. Ouch. Yeah, hey, maybe Alita shows up as a background character in, in Ryan Johnson's Star Wars You know, just you slap know. a crown on her and tell her she's a Disney princess and they make 20 more. Like, chill out, Disney. I hate you. God. She'll be the first, she'll be the first Disney princess who fought her way to the throne. You know, ultimately, like, this movie doesn't look like my cup of tea, but it has inspired a pretty strong reaction. Um, I think the main character looks like she's stuck in the Uncanny Valley a little bit, a little creepy. Have you ever seen VFX artists react on YouTube? They have one on Alita Battle Angel, and it's it's really interesting. It's it's cool uh, information about how they did the CG. Uh, recommend watching that. You know, you said it doesn't look like your cup of tea. I'm all into cyberpunk. I'm all into sci-fi. You know, again, attack me in the comments. I really just don't like manga or anime, so I actually want to watch this movie. It was mm. it was on my list of stuff to watch anyways, but I, you know, I'm just awful. at actually sitting down and watching movies yeah you're pretty terrible at that. i mean mahershala ali is in this movie you know two two-time oscar winner mahershala yeah, so ali screamed out you're locked in here with me that's your favorite character though that's not a knock yeah. well isn't christoph Waltz a two-time oscar winner yeah well uh well he won I for glorious um, uh, i don't know if you won for anything else jago and chain too here we go frantically frantically googling accolades yeah he won he won yep 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 yep, yep. so he well, he's won two as well that's a lot that's a lot of, firepower, a lot of firepower in this movie. this movie that is a big time firepower wow interesting no no i mean you know what this will do right i'm gonna we haven't even talked about this i'm gonna make the promise right here we'll do an alita part two it'll be like our our queer eye episode and i'll watch the movie and then we'll i will find a fic you want to do that good luck because i i picked the two i picked the two best ones should i leave you yeah, the other one just that. in case leave me the other one just in case so pick pick the one you like most and then leave me the other one just in case and then let's let's jump into it okay let's, Franco this. let's just jump right into it okay cool Actually, it's funny you say I, I I didn't know that you James Cameron was going to call it Fallen Angel, yada yada yada. Don't say it's a Seinfeld because one of the fix I found was a, no 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 one one of the one of the fix I found was a speculative sequel script called uh, Fallen Elite of Fallen Angel. I mean, is that a title in the manga though? No, they're they're called like uh, a bunch of stuff, um, Last Order, Mars Chronicle, things like that. Well, I I mean, let's what's so what's the one that you found? What's the one that you that you found that you're going to read? Uh, so I just uh, I, I want to talk about a couple of the ones. I'll, I'll tease the one I okay. found. I'm going to talk about a couple other ones. So the one I found is called the Fall. I remember how I said the Fall is like this cataclysmic event where like Mars came back and attacked and caused the Earth yep. to become a scrapyard. This this kind of is like under 1,000 word thick about like a flashback. Oh, that's to pretty the cool. Fall. I thought it was going to be like a crossover with Mars needs moms. So I, I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> no no um but but before i before i start i just want to like while i was going through i always find these weird names i just want to like tell you a couple weird ones that i found and like some of the funny tags the first one i found was the tension in a coiled spring and uh the tag was daddy kink <laughs> <laughs> all right description the first time alita was involved in a fight her whole life changed she could remember nothing and yet she had this instinct to fight to lash out the rage boiling within her became a ball of tension. Instinctively, she soon learned how to release this tension through sex. 
Okay. Then the other one I found is called <laughs> the other one I found is called Honey It's a Sure Shot and they had two tags, just two tags. The first tag was porn without plot and the second tag was plot. What plot? Oh yeah. That's, that's a that's a tag. We've been over that before. And then the weirdest one I found, the funniest one I found was um was Alita Oral Angel, <laughs> um, tagged heaving vomiting. What? When Alita demands the hunter warriors join her if she beats them all, Zapin asks what she'll risk in return. She and Hugo will spend the rest of the night regretting what she offers. Hideous, hideous things. Sturgeon Sturgeon's Law. Ninety-five percent of everything is garbage. I thought I would show you a little bit of the ninety-five percent. Okay, so archive of our own. It's called The Fall, and it is written by Aradel M. Aradel underscore M. The summary is: I remember the fall when stars shot and sky burned. Ooh, which is the first line. Okay. I remember the fall when stars shot and sky burned. I remember my mentor's training. Hold your breath. Restrain your move. Observe. Give the enemy a fierce strike as quick as a shooting star. I like the analogy of a shooting star, but I was only the stardust, and the stars burn magnificently only when they fall. We would fall, after all. Death is the lingering shadow and the final destiny for a soldier. I do not deny. I feel my body. I feel my heart. Man-made, cold, metallic, technical. Yet I suppose I was actually born in blazing fire, made up of blood and ashes, or at least I was trained to be. Some tags were born with Mars Dwellers, Erm Warrior. Even though I was designed to kill, it doesn't mean I ever liked it. Same truth for my body. Like Edo, my doctor, my father, told me once, neither good nor bad. You have to accept it. That's all. Accept it. All in all, your fate is not at the hand of your control. It's just meaningless to talk about the future when you struggle so hard barely to survive. To make the most of man's mortal life down on the earth, the best way is to admit there are things and goals beyond your reach. It sounds crucial to quit daydreams, but that's what wise people do. Focusing on the present life, no matter how harsh and ugly reality is. But it makes no sense to me if I don't even know who I am. Or more importantly, who I was. Uh, quick pause. I really like the way this is written. As I'm reading it out loud, I do real. It does seem like this is. Um, it's written in- interestingly. It's got really good ideas, but I don't. The wording is kind of inconsistent. Yeah, it's it's almost it's like it's vaguely poetic in a way that I'm interested. But at the same time, it's not like mm-hmm. consistently vaguely poetic. Right. Like it sounds crucial to quit. De- I don't really know what that means. Um, maybe critical was the word they were looking for. Uh, but there's a lot of good thoughts here. Yeah. Past and memory earn people belongingness. Oh, there you go. What? Past and memory earn people belongingness. Let's just assume that's a word. For some people, part of their life feed on the flashback of their memories. And belongingness is extremely vital when you're alone in this hopeless city. With my memory completely blank, I feel like grass floating in the air without roots, no connections, and no home. Home. The word, the sound, triggers no nostalgia, but instead offers me a strange warmness and belongingness that I have never experienced. I obeyed in the very beginning, when the concept of home still pleased me. Everyone has the original desire to go against the Father. I am not the exception. It is merely because what matters most is to find out my lost identity, to find a way out. It's so important. I don't want to die without knowing my name. Even if it's just a serial number, I need it, as urgent as a fight. How was I trained before? I couldn't tell, yet my brain could, 
So could my body. My mentor, my mother, my spiritual home. She trained me to be a soldier, prepared to sacrifice in a battle. Nothing noble about it, nothing glorious, just my fate, just what I was made for. And I accept it. This is what I was built for. To kill Nova, to destroy Zalem, to embrace the eventual death like all other soldiers. As for the reason soldiers don't bring up questions, they simply obey the order. That's what soldiers do. So I listened to the teaching and obeyed the order. Certainly I wasn't the best of them. My mentor got really frustrated with me once or twice, but I remembered her smile of encouragement or comfort when I would finally pass a test. I still remember the flat, emotionless tone of her voice. Congratulations, you are a soldier now. Your number is 99. It was the first time I had a symbol of my own. A military code, but a symbol. 99. I have no story to tell. It was a long and painful journey to be a soldier, during which there wasn't much about love or care. Loneliness and, later on, solitude were my only companions. Things would change a little bit when my mentor knocked on my cell door and said, get out and have something to eat. I was a good soldier. I always obeyed the order. I reacted quickly as she called. She waited for me at the end of the corridor, standing right under the sunlight. Her golden hair shined in the sun. That was the most and only beautiful thing I knew throughout my whole life. We hardly spoke. For most of the time, she reminded me of my defects during the fighting, warned me I could lose my life thousands of times in a real battle. I did not speak. Simply listened and replied, Yes, Master. Sorry, Master. Won't be the same next time, Master. She would nod. After that, we would walk through the corridors in silence. Maybe she had a dozen reasons to dine with me every time. Only with me. But I knew none of them. Perhaps I was in the necessity of extra training. She never stopped teaching me about fighting techniques, even when we were eating. In the end, she concluded, like always, you need to train harder. The war is coming. Now I remember everything about the fighting skills I learned. Consequently, I remember everything about her. My mentor, my mother, my spiritual home. I couldn't even remember her name if she even had one. But I remember how the golden hair shined like diamonds under the bright sunlight of that summer day. We never spoke of love, and we could never talk about it either. She held me tight when I was about to fall, with something I couldn't understand in her eyes. Destroy Zalem. She threw me up high to the surface of the tunnel with all her power. I remembered I said something I could not understand even these 300 years later. But suddenly, I finally do. At that time I had said, I love you just like I had said to Hugo before he fell right in front of me. End of fic. Wow. So this is, see if I get this correctly, this is Alita, right? Mm-hmm. She, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. has some of her memories back? Has her memories back? Yeah, I think this is, um, I think this is her remembering what love is in the moment she sees Hugo perish. Wow. That's good. Wow. Because you said, it, okay, because you said it was connected to the fall, so I figured it was just going to be obviously a flashback but to tie it to a big emotional point in this story which i I am assuming it's a big emotional point i can't imagine a loved one dying isn't a big emotional point that's pretty powerful Mm -hmm. that's very very smart um i like that it kind of yeah that would be a really good scene wouldn't it it's like it reveals like her past as well as connecting her to her present yes yeah and also that would i'd like the idea of someone having like someone regaining a memory 
through a present moment, almost like a moment of deja vu with the feeling, but like mm -hmm. something that is unrelated brings you back to something that is obviously prevalent and related. I like that. Right. It's like, well, we may forget the details, but the, the, the emotion of the moment will never forget. Yeah. That's what ties all these events together in our minds. Yeah. And that emotion, you know, is what triggers and what I guess reflects upon this current emotion. Wow. I like that. Yeah, and it's, it's got a lot about like the, the duty of, you know, being a soldier and, and, and kind of identity yeah. talking about needing a tag and, and not, not really knowing. Yeah. Um, so if I'm an agent, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, am I an agent? Is the fallen angel, obviously like a reference to Lucifer. Like if she was built by these Mars people and she turns on them, then it's like being built by God and turning on him. Like Lucifer did. Am I an agent? And that's obvious to everyone else. And I'm just kind of piecing it together or is, um, no, I suppose. I mean, I, the fallen angel is not even really like referenced in, in the, I mean, again, fallen angel was going to be the name of the sequel. So maybe they were going to explore mm -hmm. that. Um, but again, the the initial task, and that's why she is so deemed dangerous by like Destiny Nova and like all these people in Salem. Yeah, she was like an she was a cyborg of this army that was sent to destroy them, the aristocrats, the the fat cats who now live in the Sky City. So it's not like she's like she's still continuing her mission, really. So it doesn't really that turn. I, I do like that what you said though. I, I kind of do like that idea of like Lucifer and that like that's like your your main hero is like kind of this parallel for Lucifer. But I don't, I'm not sure if that holds. If I understand it correctly, yeah. You know, yeah, correct me in the chat, Alita Army, yeah. please. We're going to get obliterated with this first one, and then by the second one, I'll, um, I'll hopefully at least raise it up to a high say <laughs> lieutenant. Dude, you're going to be an Alita scholar. Yeah. You're going to be an Alita scholar. Um, I'll, I'll watch the movie. You read every manga that's that's come out. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, episode, uh, episode 47 coming out in, like, late November. Yeah, it's going to come out next year. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, guys. All right. Okay. So sorry this episode took so long to come out. Uh, also, we're starting a new podcast. It's called the Alita Podcast. Yeah. It's all about Alita. We're obsessed with You're it. You're going to have the, the pegboard and the um, <laughs> the string and the pictures and everything. You're like, I get it. I totally get it now. Yes. Alita. Pepe Silvia. Who was it? <laughs> exactly. Well, I got to say, I like the fic. I think the concept is interesting. I really knew nothing about it before going into this, besides what I saw with this VFX artist react. I just knew that there were a bunch of people crazy enough to vote in the movie seller's poll, which means they had to be crazy enough. My kind of people to be that crazy mm -hmm. no i yeah, I, like I like that i'm interested i'm excited to watch the movie now and i'm excited for our part two of this i think we can go somewhere with this we might maybe we'll both turn into elite fans we may we may i just want to say yeah i did have to change some of the wording because it, it did seem it, it almost gets that feeling of like when you read something that went through google translate i'm not going to like make any assumptions about yeah. this author but that's kind of the vibe i mm -hmm. got from some of the words it's like uh some, or maybe someone who just used a thesaurus and like didn't really understand what they were doing to choose some of their words. But the emotion in this story is, is I think, really good. A, a certainly yes. a much better read than Alita Oral Angel, which was my, my bad. I don't up. know if you can say that without a doubt, but we'll see. <laughs> I will uh, I will send it to you privately, <laughs> and, uh, and I will let you decide. I guess, we, I guess you could confidently say that the author who wrote this was very emotionally competent with the source material. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I mean, that, and that, that really holds no language, really. So it doesn't matter, regardless. I like that. Interesting. That is good. I like I said, I'm excited to see where we go with this because I think we can I think we can get something good out of this. I, I I like the the idea of it. Cyberpunk as far as the genre goes, it's something I'm definitely interested in. I've seen a couple video essays about why cyberpunk isn't important anymore. And I don't I don't like that idea. <laughs> well it's it's because it's 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 a very definitive genre from a time, a po a set point in time, which is the eighties. Right. Like that that was like because it was a time of punk, but also they were mixing. It was like cyberpunk, yeah. fantasy well, punk. It was just like flavor of the month. That's what they Well, think. also a lot of um, cyberpunk is sort of like the logical extension of the Reagan-esque capitalism 
uh, and post-Cold War nationalism that was like big at the time, where it's like our technology is going to drive us forward. That's all we need. And the technology is driven by our rampant need for capital. I, I know mm. I sound like a Marxist professor here, but I swear I'm not. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> reflecting on the genre itself, which that's exactly what cyberpunk is uh, for the most part, because it is dealing with the fears of, well, what's going to happen when we take this thing as far as we can go with it? Right, and it becomes kind of cold and detached from humanity because yeah, it's just purely driven by... Yeah, yeah. and so um, I wonder, I'll have to watch the movie, I wonder if there's anything that feels like, even though it's set in the future, the themes have dated themselves. I'm sure I'm going to get attacked for even throwing that idea out there, but I've seen some some pretty harsh criticisms of Altered Carbon. And I don't know if you watch that show on Netflix, but it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's also cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. It's Joel Kinnaman, who's like one of my favorite actors. I think he's great. He plays a really good scummy guy, like a really good scummy person. Um, and I think it takes a good actor to be that. Unless you're already a scummy guy, in which case, you're just playing yourself. I don't know about Joel. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, not very impressive. Yeah, yeah. But no, uh, you know, it, it, it chases, especially like the noir cyberpunk sort of idea, which is most of the noir or the cyberpunk genre that I'm familiar with is filled with noir stories. Mm-hmm. Like Blade Runner and things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it, it's, it's, ref, it reflects that, that unease that people had, some people had in that, that time period. So I'm interested to see what this cyberpunk is like. At the same time, Japanese cyberpunk is leagues and miles different than American cyberpunk. I wouldn't, okay, I wouldn't mm. say leagues and miles, but it's different. It definitely has different themes. It definitely has different concerns and explores different topics. But it may be, it may be born from that same anxiety at the time. Yeah, yeah. And maybe even more so because... Or at least that same motivation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Japanese anxieties about the future are definitely wickedly different than American ones post-1945. Not, I'm not by no means a Japanese historian or scholar or popular culture expert, but I do know that a lot of themes explored in more adult... More adult uh, content um, produced in Japan, duh, like, you know, they reflect just what they were trying to figure out post-World War II. Mm. So I'm interested to see, I'm, in I'm interested, I've, I've got, you've, you've, what's, what's the thing from Inglourious, uh, not Inglourious Bastards, uh, Django Unchained, first you had my curiosity, now you have my attention, is that it? <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel At first right now. you had my curiosity, now you have my full attention. Yeah, that's, yeah. I'm basically Leo right now, but with Alita, so... I think I think that's a good place to put a period. Hey, on it. you might you might be the newest you might be the newest uh, you know chief petty officer of the of the Alita yeah, army, my yeah, friend. Yeah, I guess we're gonna find out here. I'm I'm all one for a good sci-fi story. I mean, I think we've made it pretty clear here that you're kind of the fantasy guy and I'm kind of the, the sci-fi guy on the whole. Um, obviously, we both like both genres, but um, mm -hmm. I'm excited to jump into this and see see where it stacks up with. All my other beloved uh, sci-fi stories. Oh, good. Well, I'm look. I'm looking forward to a much more uh, nuanced <laughs> and educated discussion <laughs> next time, um, as opposed to me. I mean, again, I am the master. Yeah. I am the dungeon master of Alita Battle Angel, hundred percent. I can answer all your canon yeah. questions. I'm just gonna hit you with a bunch um, of idiot. You didn't. That wasn't right. Yeah. Um, but it'll be nice to have someone else up to exactly, my level yeah. after you watch the film. So until until we're able to talk about this the next episode, what are you stoked on, Ryan? I recently started watching a British crime series on it's on right. Netflix from the BBC called, called Broadchurch. Ah, I was gonna get it. No, not Peaky Blinders. It's called Broadchurch. Uh, it's it's current. It's present day. It's a murder mystery. Uh, it's from 2013. It has Olivia Coleman, who uh, she's in The Crown. She won the Academy Award for Best Actor two years ago now. Uh, she's kind of having a moment, okay. but she has an incredible back catalog. She's been working for a very long Ooh, time. She's yeah. a very good comedian, like funny actor. Um, but she's also, you know, really good dramatic, obviously. Um, so she's in this. David Tennant is I, in I, it. I Googled it and I saw David Tennant and I'm like, oh, first you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, he's, uh, he's again, like kind of, you know, right before he really starts breaking out, um, 2013, uh, it's just, it's just expertly made, you know, it's your pretty standard, uh, drum, like, you know, crime yeah. cops in a small town, but, uh, it's just incredibly enjoyable. And, uh, I've, it's really helped me through, you know, just spend some time watching that show kind of tune out. It's really well, good. good. I, I'm, I like that. I, I, I might end up watching this. It looks like, uh, thematically it's reminiscent of the killing, which is like one of my favorite shows. So yes, I will definitely look into this. That's a good stoked on. Yeah. Almost sounds surprised. You're like, oh man, Stoked on's <laughs> for, garbage. For once, Ryan actually had an answer on time and it was decent. <laughs> no, I'm not surprised. You have good Stoked on's. My Stoked on, I have, I, I have a, I have a cop out answer which is obvious, and I'll say it real quick, and then I have like another one. Is it Dune? Yeah, the Dune pictures. I'm super stoked on those. They look awesome. I thought we talked about not dating ourselves by talking about current events in our podcasts. Alex, actually, Ryan, someone didn't attend our pre <laughs> actually pre episode recording meeting our conference before you take my quote out of context cnn use the whole thing i said it's different when it's <laughs> pop culture because then we look like idiots when we're wrong aka all of my predictions for episode nine so z snap formation at that one my friend thank you but no i'm super stoked on the photo are people gonna want to listen to our reactions about the the, the pictures when the movie's out look, though all i'm saying is the the reason i the reason i want to bring it up is because if you haven't looked at the comments of oscar isaac's photo they're hilarious. What are They're they? all about how dudes are like, yo, I'm not gay, but Oscar Isaac looks good. <laughs> they're really <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh, man, I got to check that yeah, out. Yeah, they're, no, they're hilarious. I, when I saw it, my first thought was honestly like, man, he's giving off big daddy energy right now. So, um, which is only appropriate because he plays the main character's father. So I can't argue. Um, so that's okay, my cop-out answer. Also, Dr. UA, like right before we started recording, they released a picture of him. Looks awesome. My, that's my cop-out answer. My real answer is I've been using this time to catch up on some graphic novels that I had. I also bought a couple to help out my local comic book store get through uh, everything because they had to mm -hmm. shut down. And I ended up purchasing two that I've just been like waiting to read, but I was like, ah, I'll spend the money when I need to spend it. And now it felt like as good as time as any. I picked up 1602 by Neil Gaiman, which is a Marvel comic, which is probably sounds weird because Neil Gaiman has only written like... Well, he wrote The Miracle Man, but I don't think they were Marvel at the time. And then he also wrote um, The Eternals, which is... Um, not my favorite work of his. I don't think it was bad, but it's not my favorite work of his. Oh, you didn't you didn't like? I remember you were reading. You didn't care for it. So I'm starting to not care too much for John Romita Jr.'s art, and it's a John Romita Jr., which is I can't knock his writing for the art. But it was basically Neil Gaiman was given this really really difficult task. If you know anything about Marvel, he was trying to bring the Eternals back into canon, and that's just really difficult. And I think he did a good job with what he had to work with. They were basically using him to open up a doorway into using these characters again. Um, it, it, it to me it's like. <laughs> it feels like if you took like Leonardo da Vinci and you're like, hey, we have half of the Sistine Chapel, actually three quarters of the Sistine Chapel drawn or like painted. Can you just do the rest? And he's like, I guess. Like that's kind of how it felt. Or like Leonardo da Vinci did three quarters of it, and they were like, hey, Leonardo, like, um, you know, Brad da Vinci, Leonardo. Exactly. Brother, yeah. Like, you got this. Yeah. He left some. He left some some sketches underneath yeah. to help you go, but. And then Brad did literally the best he could, but it was just like the subject of it, like the situation made it what it was. So I read that and it was it was okay. Uh, but the the one that I liked, 1602, it is basically what happens if the Marvel Universe took place in 1602. And it's really good. The mutants. Oh, yes, 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 yeah, yes, yes. Um, Magneto is an Inquisitor in Spain. Captain America. Is that the one with... Is that, so, oh, so that's actually good. I thought that looked kind of tacky. That's actually a good uh, trade. That's a good series. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. 
Um, I'm stoked on that. But we, we, when I told you I read this other one, and you're like, we've never talked about him on the show. I just finished Vision by Tom King. And of oh, you did. Good. the people writing in comics right now, Tom King's probably my favorite. If he's not my favorite, he's at mm-hmm. least in the top three. If you consider Neil Gaiman still writing, which he's really, he's not really, but he sort of is. You know, I don't want to put Tom King in front of Neil Gaiman, but Tom King is great. Do you think, just straight up, novels aside, when it comes just to comics, oh, I guess you really like Sam. No, Sam can't Tom be touched. King or, no, yeah. Sam can't be touched, sorry. Yeah. Tom King is great, though, and as much as I like the vision, uh, I think Omega Men is still a lot better. I really like the Omega Men. Um, but I recently finished The Vision, and I'm super stoked on it. It's a really good, really good series. I understand why people have called Mr. Miracle just DC's version of The Vision. I think they are different, but tonally they're sort of the same. And mm-hmm. um, I liked I liked it. Tom King's great. If you like introspective comics, I think this is the guy for you. If you like beat-em-ups and, like, 1970s fun, you're not going to like Tom King, and that's totally okay. Not everything has to be written for you. Yeah, honestly, I, I, it was really yeah. helpful for me, like, get back, getting get back into comics. It's like, if you want to read something and feel like, oh, this is, like, a really good bridge between reading a novel and reading a yeah. comic, I think Tom King is, he's like, perfect. is your, your cup of yeah. tea. Yeah. Um, but he's great. I, I really, really liked Vision, and I'm stoked on it. I have a whole... I think I've read most of his stuff. I haven't read any of his Grayson stuff, but I don't really... Or Agent 37, whatever it's called. I'm not a big fan of that concept anyways so i'm probably never gonna read it but he is amazing and um i really like him i I saw a joke and it it was supposed to be like mean but i just thought it was funny and even though it's true it's like i don't care i still like it but it was like tom king writes the vision which is about a android that's depressed but but loves his wife (laughs) tom king writes mr miracle which is about a god that's depressed but loves his wife tom king writes adam strange which is about a human but loves his wife tom king writes batman which is about a guy who's depressed but loves his girlfriend and then the end was like, see the trend here? And I'm like, yeah, but if you like that story, he does it really well, so I don't really care. And like, you know, being uh, a young man, a growing man, and being quite a, a reflective person, reading stuff like that, I enjoy because it's like, you know, it's something I can relate to personally, which is a guy who's trying his best, but really sucks at it. <laughs> um you know, yeah, I mean, that's also incredibly, that's also pretty reductive. I mean, yeah, that's like one facet. Exactly. That, that's a, maybe a theme of his. It might be a theme, like a recurring theme of his. It, it, but, it's almost, I mean, those are all extremely different stories. It's almost like saying Tom King writes a story about a superhero that faces conflict. It's like, yeah, that's the point. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so I'm stoked on Tom King. I wanted to fit that in there because I love him. And I've, I've been stoked on Neil Gaiman. Uh, for like over a year now. So I guess I, I just had to throw a 1602 in there. So I had a lot of stoked on, but it's been a while and I've consumed a lot of things recently. So I'm, I'm taking the time to do that. It's, 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 it's our show and we can do whatever we want with it. That's right. Yep. That's, that is, that is, that is right. Well, thank you for listening. I hope we haven't bored you. Uh, I am sorry that we split this up into two parts, but that literally was decided as we were recording. So, you know, uh, I guess we'll see you next week. If you're interested, we have a Patreon. If you like us, please donate. My voice did a really weird thing there. We're just going to go right past it. We have a Twitter. Follow us there. We have a YouTube. Go on there. We actually have some cool stuff. We also have Stoked On giveaways, where we give away things that we've been stoked on. So follow that. So far, we've given away a copy of Sandman Trade 1 and Dune. So that's like actual giveaway items, you know? No, I, I've, I, yeah, physical merchandise in the real yeah, world. I've, we might have to give away the first trade of uh, Alita if people yeah, really like this that, episode. that might not be a bad idea. I've literally spent money on this show like actual money on this show so uh it would be much appreciated uh if you do those giveaways they're fun and you know uh, it was sort of a way of well people don't have a lot going on so i kind of want to bring the things that have made me happy to the to people who i am hopefully making happy so uh and i know ryan has felt the same way about that so do those things follow us on those platforms rate us review us share us with your friends 
Uh, movie seller, I'm going to beg you to just plaster this over your... Did, Ryan, did I tell you about this? Did I, did I tell you about the, 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 the sponsor of their show officially? No. So I believe it's Dan. Uh, he has a child with type 1 diabetes. I believe it's type 1. I, I really hope I'm not getting this wrong because I feel so bad. He's such a nice guy, and I should know this. And he had a charity thing to help raise money for type 1 diabetes research. And after the Alita Army showed up at the poll... He said, hey, Alita Army, if you raise so much money for this charity in the name of the Alita Army, you will officially be the god tier of the movie seller, and we will let you be our show sponsor, and you will officially become the movie seller presented by hashtag the Alita Army. And those absolute mad lads did it. How much did they I raise? I think it's 1200 1400 Oh my, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's crazy. Let me... All right, okay, I, I'm on Amazon right now. I'm buying the first trade of Alita. You're going to watch the movie. I'm going to read the trade, there we go. and then we're going to give it Dude, away. Dude, that's, that's such a good idea. That's what we're doing. Let me, let me go to it, because I don't want to be I don't want to be wrong here. And I, and I Okay, I do apologize. In manga, I, I just remembered this. They're not called trades. They're called volumes. They are called volumes. So I will get the first volume. You piece of garbage. I remember from all my, all my Naruto volumes that I used to have. Dude, if I'm, I'm going to be real with you, I've never read a, a, a manga trade. Uh, I know for someone who say they don't care about mangas, that's kind of a dumb... A what? A what? A, a manga what? volume. I've never read one of those. And I just said, I know it's stupid because I said I don't really care about them. Uh, so I don't even think I would know how. Because I know you start from the back. Do you, do you read the opposite direction too? <laughs> uh, the panels. The panels are, but uh, the word... Actually, no, I'm... No, the panels are in the normal um, clockwise configuration, but yeah, you do go backward. The, the books are all backwards. At least the ones I had were. That's... Uh, like the Naruto beat... Uh, yeah, all those. I couldn't do it. I just, I don't know. It's that's too much for me. It's it's pretty crazy, but you get used to it. God, like I said, they tweet about as much as we do. So I'm 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 at April seventh. Oh, they retweeted us. That's so nice of them. Thank you guys. Okay, new VHS 4T1D episode. In this installment, we watch a Billy Zane classic, The Silence of the Lambs, for our good friends at Award Wieners, and it's the first episode with our new intro promoting Alita Army as kings of the series and gods of the show. And their their logo is literally. The movie seller, the VHS collection, internet connection, uninformed opinions, presented by hashtag Alita Army. That's incredible. That's fantastic. Okay, here we go. Here we go. $1,150. Wow. That's really incredible. That's fantastic. Thank you guys for being awesome. That's a really cool community-based thing to do to not only, you know, look good on your fan community, but also really help out people in real life. That's amazing. So um, not that what we care or say matters, but thank you for doing it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's great. That's great. Follow us, like us, share us. Rate us, review us. I'm going to watch the movie. Ryan's going to read the, tr the volume. Volume. And we will get back to you hopefully next week. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe a month. We'll find out. We don't know just as much as you don't. So congratulations. And so I guess to end, Ryan, what should we remember? 300 years from now, we may not remember the events of today. We certainly won't remember where we are right now as individuals today. But we can always make a lasting impression on those we love those we care for with the emotions that we have. So with that being said, we truly do hope that you are doing well. You're taking care of those around you as best you can and you're staying safe. That's most important thing to us because we do care for you. Have a great day.